They always say, trust your gut. But one time, my gut told me to bleach my eyebrows. And that was fashionable, but not widely well-received. While probiotics can't help you with most of your gut decisions, it can give your gut a little bit of support. And Ritual has your back. They made a three-in-one supplement with clinically studied prebiotics, probiotics, and a postbiotic to support a balanced gut microbiome. Did you know daily disturbances like poor diets, stress, travel, the use of certain medications, and plenty of other factors can throw off your gut microbiome? Oh, no! Enter Ritual. Their Symbiotic Plus has been a gorgeous tool. There's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide, your insides. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash curious. Start Ritual or add Symbiotic Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash curious for 25% off. In the brand new book, Dear By Men, author, peer counselor, and creator of the hashtag Bisexual Men Speak, J.R. Youssef offers an unapologetic guide for readers who are Black, Mask, and Bi. The book features cutting social analysis, personal stories, and reclaims bi-plus visibility in a culture of erasure. It also offers practical feedback on how to unlearn internalized biphobia and homophobia, fight back against erasure and stigma, navigate sex, dating, partnerships, marriage, friendship, and much more. It's available now wherever books are sold. North Atlantic Books is offering listeners 25% off plus free shipping. Purchase Dear Buy Men at www.northatlanticbooks.com and use code CURIOUS25 at checkout for 25% off and free shipping. U.S. mailing address required. You ever own something that inspired you to up your game? We spend so much time in our cars, it's nice to have a car that makes you feel good. It's giving me like, you deserve to take care of yourself, girl. Honey, I just love Alexis because it's giving luxury. It just gives like, nice. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. And the features on this GX, honey? Available dynamic sky panorama glass roof. Available front row massaging seats. Ooh! Available 33-inch all-terrain tires. That's wide! Available multi-terrain select. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX. Luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Welcome to Getting Curious. I'm Jonathan Van Ness, and every two weeks I sit down for a 30-minute combo with a brilliant expert to learn all about something that makes me curious. This week, I'm curious about gender identity, and I am joined in studio by the amazing stand-up comedian, Ian Harvey. He was on season one of Transparent, which is where I fell in love. And um, so welcome, Ian, to this episode of Getting Curious. Thank you, Jonathan. So I really just want to talk about what your relationship has been with gender identity. And what gender identity even means. So obviously, so you are a stand-up comedian. I am. So tell me about that. I uh, started about 15 years ago. When you were 11. <laughs> and uh, uh, I started in Portland, Maine, and I just fell in love with it. It was like the best drug I ever did. And being a sober person, it was it was something that um, kind of unleashed some something that I hadn't tapped into in a while. Like I had been 
sort of doing this professional life and started a business, a web development company uh, back in Portland. And someone offered a stand-up comedy writing class at the local comedy club. And, and I was like, wait a minute, that sounds really cool. I've always kind of wanted to do something like that, but I had no idea where to start, which is a lot of people's story. They're like, I didn't know how to get started. And then all of a sudden this magical postcard came in the mail from a guy named Tim Farrell, who was a, a writer for The Daily Show, but he telecommuted to The Daily Show. And he held a class and just the structure of writing comedy and that, and that sort of thing. And so you would get up in the class and rip and read. Basically, you'd write all this stuff down and then you'd do it in front of the class. You'd get notes. Then you'd kind of trim it down, economize it, and then deliver it. At the end of your seventh week and the eighth week, you would do a live performance. Oh, how long was it? It was five minutes. But five minutes, girl, is like, uh, it is. it just feels like forever when you're trying to be funny. Like, I've intentionally funny when I do it I whenever I've done stand-up I always make my more into like storytelling because I can't really do like I can't my brain doesn't work like joke to joke but it is like five minutes it's like but I but I just I just get up there and I just I wing it and it I normally like land that triple toe triple toe (laughs) I normally do well you know what the key is the key is um if you're not gonna like if you're not gonna sit down and write jokes and that get them perfect the key is to be so present on stage and to really listen to what people are listening to you're saying. So, I mean, it's a presence that, that is required that that you can kind of follow your own flow of what's in your head to let it come out of your mouth, no matter how insane it is. And to, and to you know, obviously, you know, reveal like all the crazy thoughts and funny things that you think, but also to listen to the audience and let them respond to you and pay attention to that. So it's like a... It's like a very intimate communication between the two of you. You guys better be listening. If you're trying to get in a stand-up, I hope you're listening because we're giving you out free lessons right now. <laughs> because you know what, too? I said, I, did you ever see Forrest Gump? Yeah, of course. Okay, like I like to do stand up how Jenny Gump sits when she's naked, um, playing the guitar when Forrest like carries her off stage, <laughs> but not naked. Like I like to be on a stool and I like to cross my legs and I like to hold a microphone or have one like kind of like how this one yeah, is. I do that sometimes. Yeah, I like to be real, like not quite like Jenny, but well, not naked, but I like to just sit there and I like to ooze and I just like to talk to the people because if someone's not laughing, I like to be like, well, what's going on, braids? Like, why don't you, why aren't you living or like whatever. I digress. No, but that's great. You know what? Crowd work is like people love it, especially. I mean, I'll tell you, people can love mean crowd work, but just the the going into the crowd and a lot of people, if someone talks at them, a comic, a lot of comics is what I'll say. A lot of comics will just shut people down because they don't want to engage. They just want to do their material. But I learned something. I took this acting class here in L.A. by this great, great fucking teacher, Alexandra Billings. Yes. um, Who is also on Transparent. And, oh, who was uh, he? She, she she plays she plays Davina Jeffrey Tambor's character Mora's best friend <gasps> that works at the LGBT center. Obsessed. So she's incredible, and yeah. she's a, a an acting teacher as well. Yeah. So I took a class with her, and that class taught me how to walk directly into the voice that's speaking at you, rather than to shut it down and walk away. She was like, go towards the light. When like some, in our head or in the audience? To, so when you so when you are, someone heckles you. Yes. Don't shut them down and be like, shut the fuck up. Don't say that. Yeah. Just be like, I'm sorry, what, wait, what did you say? I wanted to, you know, get them to talk yeah, to you. Yeah, what are you going through, honey? Have an exchange with them. Like, yeah. don't just shut them down. So that crowd work can be some of the most beautiful um, never to be recreated again moments of funny. It's just, it's some, sometimes it's the most beautiful thing on the planet. It gets me through the brain not working parts. Yeah. Like if I get yeah. out, I just, it gets have, you I, out of your head. Yeah. And then it was like, cause if it's just, it's just not happening, I was like, I'm going to talk to someone. 
Wait. So we started in Portland. How big is Portland, Maine? It's probably like Portland and the surrounding area, but maybe about a hundred thousand people. Okay, so it's not like tiny. That's no. Like, that's like it actually looks and feels like Portland, Oregon, but it's a little bit smaller. Got um, it. And right by the ocean, it smells like um, lobster and fish and fish markets oh. down. It's it's got that. Um, you know, rocky coast and lots of red brick buildings and hilly and lots of pine trees. And I just got like dazed out, like listening to you talk about yeah. that. I'm like, I can see it. Your eyes. I love it. <laughs> it's so, very, it's so Stephen King. Any book that Stephen King has read is like that lush green Maine lakes and ocean and all that kind of. It's just like that. Scare, scare Stephen yeah. King though. Yeah, not all scary. No, like I mean, Stephen King also wrote Stand by Me. Remember that? Oh yeah. yeah. So it's not. When a, I think Stephen King, I think thriller and scare, scare. Yeah, but I don't know why. So, but anyway, so you started there. Well, because he writes a lot of creepy shit. He does. Yeah. I, and, you know, I'm not, like, that strong on books. I should be stronger. <laughs> so, I'm not. So, but then you moved to L.A. because you're like, I'm going to chase down my dream. Totally. Four years into my career, I was like, New York or L.A., and literally the only thing that tipped the scales for me were the temperatures. I was like, you know what? I am not going to trudge anymore in the snow in any northern, you know, northeast area. I just, I just didn't want to do it anymore. And uh, so I moved here 10 years ago. To like this year? Yeah, 10 years ago this year. So that year. means it was like 2006? Yes. Fierce. Yeah. Okay. So, but then. I also just had, I had the same car this whole time. I just got a new car. What did you I, get? I, well, I mean, I, I had the same, I moved out here in a 2001 Ford Expedition. Mm-hmm. And it was this big beast that I could just pile just full of my shit. Yeah. And um, uh, my friend Dan, who's also a comic, and I, we stopped along along the way and did comedy shows along the way. Oh, and I love moving that. Out here. And that was 10 years ago. You multitasked. Yeah. Like, I like that. It was a that. blast. So I want to ask you a question, but I, like, I don't want to, like. But, you like, can ask me anything. Okay, okay, okay. It's just me and you here. Okay, it's just me and you. Okay, because, well, because I don't want to, like, uh, well, actually, this will lead me to my next question. But my first question is, like, did, had you transitioned already when you came here? Yeah, I I was out as trans. I was tr- I was I knew who I was, but I had not sort of made any other than my name change. I hadn't made any modifications to my body or hadn't taken hormones. I hadn't done any actual physical, you know, morphing yet. But you were like serving Ian. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um I was verbally spiritually serving Ian, but I had I was still there was still some parts of me that was trying to be the best butch that I could possibly be without hormones. Oh, because yeah, because you talked. I was watching your TED talk, which was amazing. Everyone, <laughs> so so th- so there was a point where because I cause you, you mentioned that you're like at that time you were like I'm a butch. Can I just can I? Yeah, I don't, can I, am I say, say can, that? Okay. Yeah, you're like because I'm a butch dyke. So like you're presenting is like. So then, like, you were doing that for a while, and then at some point you're like, no. Like, when you met the first transgender man that you met, and then you're like, no. Because is that what precipitated your actual transition? Well, I think this happens for a lot of people. Whether you are, um, I know it's not the same as sexual identity, but let's imagine the first time that uh, an Asian-American person sees Margaret on stage performing, and they're like, holy shit, I can do that too? Yeah. Um, or if the first African-American president and someone says, holy shit, I can do that too? Mm-hmm. And so when I know that it's a different identity, and those are sort of career paths. But I saw what you're stepping in. But, <laughs> but I was like, when I met this trans guy, 
I just had no idea that that was a possibility for me. I knew there was something sort of bubbling under the surface and sort of nagging at me for a long time, and I couldn't really put my finger on it. I didn't have words for it. I had no representation growing up in Maine. And when then when I met this guy, it was my biggest sort of Oprah aha moment. Mm-hmm. You know, she Oprah speaks yes. of. And I just I started sobbing uncontrollably when I met him. I just was like, that's me. That's, oh, my God, that's me. That's me. And then how long between that and then when you start, like, like did name change and then, like— Years and years and years. I, as soon as I identified with him, I was like, I got to talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. So I went to therapy. My therapist was amazing. Um, I've had many amazing therapists. I'm such a pro, you know, talk therapy person. I just think it's the best thing. And um, I really figured out who I was and what I wanted to do in there. And I sort of prolonged the process and put off the process because I had all the voices of these other people in my head, my mother— my parent, my father, or and it's not even actually things that they've ever said to me, but I was really worried and concerned that if I were to do these things, it would somehow hurt them. I was worried that I was going to make somebody unhappy, and I was in relationships that I allowed myself to be held back from pursuing what I knew I really wanted. Um, and honestly, you know, if I if I can't find my own voice above others' voices in my head then I'm not fucking ready to make those changes anyway. Yeah. So on some level, I knew that. So eventually, I cleared all the other voices, and I said, this is what I want to do. And I actually happened to be with my current partner, who you know, Sarah, um, at the time, who was like, she was like the best person I could be with because she was just, she's like, you know, whatever you need to do. Like, she had no ulterior intentions for me or what she wanted from me. And she's just one of those people that really genuinely, to the absolute core, wants you to have what you want to have. And, right? I mean, isn't this not her? Isn't that her? That's her. And um, I just, I'm so grateful for her because I had really abstained from moving forward while I was with other partners. And she just, um, I mean, I gave myself the freedom, but she also did too, and I'm so grateful for that. And, I love her, yeah. and I didn't know that. I didn't know that's part of the story. But thank yeah. you so much for sharing that part. Yeah. That's beautiful. She's so awesome. Well, she, she like is so she loves like the fucking bejesus out of you too. Well, she you is. Tell. She's the most grounded person I've ever met. I'm and like, you guys are so. I mean, not that it like looks matter because they don't, but you guys are so gorgeous together. Like the most <laughs> gorgeous <laughs> effing couple. I you know what it is? That. It's happiness. And happiness it, yeah. is gorgeous. It is. It's very. We're yeah. really happy because you know your magnet. Because everyone has like that like imaginary magnet. Yours is like very positively charged. It like draws you in once you have any more. But so by the time you got to LA, you had already transitioned. I had. I actually no. I I got to LA in two thousand and six. So 10 years ago, and then in December 2007, I started taking testosterone. Is that, like, the marker for when someone says that they're transitioning? Like, do you, like, officially start when you start? Or no, is, there, is it different not. for everyone? No, it's different for everyone because, you know, honestly, and I respect anybody anywhere they are in their transition. Like, all you have to do to identify your gender identity is to speak it silently to yourself or to say it to the world however you want to do that is totally fine and then it's like whenever someone's telling their story it's like in my head like it was really at this point or like or like it was at this point but it's like different for everybody yeah and you know what not everybody has to medically transition either and that's something that i am really adamant about respecting oh yeah that i mean because for a really long time like i just thought okay i'm gonna be i'm gonna be okay now that i named this this is good and a lot of people really are okay with that and for me, the relief didn't fully come until I started taking testosterone and I had chest surgery. Those two things were the things that provided me the 
intense freedom of headspace that I had never had before. I woke up every day consumed with the idea of how am I going to conceal my chest and how am I going to look more masculine on the outside to the world, the way that I want to look when I look in the mirror. I want to look a certain way. How do I get that? And I I really, really fucking tried to, you know, to accept what I saw. And I didn't get that freedom of headspace until about 30 days after my chest surgery and I had been on hormones for a few months. I looked in the mirror and I was like, wait, wait, wait a second. I don't have to think about it anymore. I don't have to think about my chest anymore. I don't have to wake up like I did every day for 39 years and have to think about how I was going to conceal my triple Ds. Wow. I didn't have to think about it anymore. That freedom was the probably one of my life's biggest gifts. So I'm so grateful that you had that gift. And I'm, But I also can't – I mean, that is just like such a struggle to think about like – just what that would have been, like, what that struggle, like, would be. So I learned in, like, yoga teacher training, they were saying how, like, all of our, like, um, emotions, like, start from one of two. There's, like, fear or there's love. Mm-hmm. So what I heard you saying before is, like, at the beginning part is, like, you were fearful that you were going to, like, disappoint people in pursuing your transition. And then at some point, like, the self-love and, like, your groundingness and that, like, overcame, like, the the volume Absolutely. of those voices yeah. for you to, like, go ahead with your transition. So, yeah. but, but there was, like, a reckoning of, like, you're needing to balance, like, the fear and the love so that you could move forward. Yeah, you know. Initially, it's funny because in my letter, I came out to my family in a letter and basically told them in like eight pages or less, something like that. It was like I basically told them my version of my life story of how I discovered who I was and my gender. And at the very end, my I think my last line said, you know, I could spend the rest of my life making all of you happy or thinking that I'm making all of you happy and making myself slightly miserable with this low-grade ache of knowing who I am and not pursuing it. Or I could make myself happy and maybe make you guys slightly miserable. I think I'm willing to do the latter. And not, no one was miserable. It was a ridiculous idea, yeah. notion in my head that I was going to be making other people unhappy. It's like everybody is in charge of their own happiness. And they're probably happier now seeing you happy and fulfilled. Yeah. I think here's what I know now is that my mother was so afraid for my safety as a mother – in my queerness and in my gender identity, I think she was very afraid. And I think my dad to some extent, too. And I think as my dad has aged, I think he's gotten a little bit more fearful for me. It's interesting that his is sort of later onset. Like, he said something to me the last time I was home. He said, do, do you ever, does anybody ever threaten you? And I said, no, no one's ever threatened me. And I think because he hears stories about trans women being murdered. Right. I think he hears stories about the violence and the beatings and the rapes and the murders of trans women. And so I think he thinks that that's going to happen to me. And I said, Dad, the percentage of trans men that um, that violence, it does happen, but it is it is a fraction of what happens to trans women. And I said, I'm I'm safe. I'm okay. Um, and you don't have to worry about that. But as parents, I, I think what happened for them was they wanted me to be happy, but I think that they had this overwhelming sense of wanting to protect me. And so in times of fear like that, parents will say fucked up things to their kids. They, they might want to support them. They might love them absolutely to infinity, but sometimes fucked up shit comes out of their mouths because they're scared for your safety. Totally. Which I didn't get. I, as a younger person, as a queer, as a 20... I came out as a as a as queer when I was nineteen, and then later came out again as trans. Mm. And I think that in the beginning, my parents were like really afraid for me and my safety. It was like nineteen eighty seven, nineteen eighty nine, so in that range, like late eighties. And people were super mean to queers back then. Yeah, I mean, really mean. I so, mean, well, I, 
I was born in 87, but where I come from in the middle of America, like, it <laughs> you was... You were born in 87. No, but, like, it, where I'm from, it might as well have been, like, 71, honey. Like, I, when yeah, I say I from? got down to Illinois, it's, like, okay. five hours southwest, southwest of Chicago. But when I say that I got chased around with pitchforks, like, oh I'm my not God. entirely kidding. Yeah. I'm really bad at my peripheral vision, so that's what that was about. But we're going to take a really quick break from Getting Curious. We're going to be back with Ian Harvey in just two seconds. Big kiss. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon on Getting Curious. The three of you enter a cave of a big red dragon and is standing over a hoard of precious golden rubies. And he says, what do you do, adventures? I'm a dragon man. I cast fire on him. It's very good. I address the red dragon to say, us, we're the hosts of The Adventure Zone, a podcast about family playing Dungeons and Dragons. Very good synergy. Commit to the bit. I, I, <laughs> I roll to charm new listeners. It is very effective <laughs> against all odds. Everybody, we're the Macroids. We host the Adventure Zones, a podcast where we play Dungeons and Dragons together. It's a comedy podcast. We don't take the rules too seriously because there's a lot of them and we did not take the time to learn them. Maybe listen to us. We come out every other Thursday on the Maximum Fun Network. You can find us on iTunes or on MaximumFun.org. I think this promo is a critical hit. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to Getting Curious. We have Ian Harvey in the house, stand-up comedian. What other titles like what I put behind your name? Like stand-up comedian, actor, actor, um, writer. I'm I'm a new writer. Um, a year ago, I wrote a script. Um, I just actually had a development meeting on Friday about it. Um, well, someone needs to go get a haircut in that script with a big, <laughs> gorgeous, Jesus-looking hairdresser, honey. You know who you know who, yeah. to, who to call. I will call you, honey. Yes, honey. Um, so where were we? So, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of delving into a bunch of different things that I'm really enjoying. Anything more creative that I can add to my plate, I'm down. I'm like, from taking acting classes to uh, the writing thing, I just, you know, it's funny. Like, I was talking about the script idea with a writing agent, and, and they were like, that sounds really great. And they're like, you know, anybody could write that, but I want you to write it. Yes. I want you to write it. And I was, it really lit a fire under my ass. And so that was probably a year ago in December, right before Christmas. And on the flight, the red eye flight home for Christmas, I drew a storyboard. And then in the week following, I wrote the script. And since then, I've edited it. Um, edited, edited. Uh-huh. I always hate saying that it's word. It's a hard preterite verb. So, oh, you know what you could say? I did the edit <laughs> many times. Yes. I've edited many times. The, and, um, I uh, had some awesome notes, and my managers and I just had a really great development meeting on on Friday um, with a. I'm not going to say who yet, but um, if something happens, I'll I'll make sure that we get word to you. But anyway, so it's, it's only really a matter exciting. of time, though. I mean, it's like you only got to be at the right place at the right time once. It's like this look and this brain, so- <laughs> everything going on. It's like I mean, it's only a matter of time. So. Um, yeah, so I'm super excited. I just um, I want to do lots more acting. I basically the, what I'd like to do is have my acting feed my stand up, and so that when I'm not acting, that I'm doing I'm traveling around the country and vice versa. Well, let's so. talk about one thing really quick because I got to yeah. get this out of the way. Yeah. Transparent. That is what I fell in love with. <laughs> yeah, you. you're obsessed. I am obsessed. obsessed. I'm so obsessed. <laughs> and when, and you know it's so funny how small the world is because you know I do Margaret's hair, and then that's how I met Sarah, and um and and because she's your girlfriend very much. Mm-hmm. Cause you, but, yeah. Uh, but like. Like the the like loose wave well, on her when like there's like a bump bump but like not that putting any pressure but I just I can imagine like what you're gonna wear I can imagine what she's gonna wear 
it's so fierce. Like, <laughs> but it just goes so, and then because I was talking to Margaret about how obsessed I was with Transparent in a dressing room when Sarah was there, and then she was like, oh my God. And then I was like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, she came home and told me that. <laughs> I couldn't believe, like, what a small world it is. Well, she also came home one day from another shoot or some TV show that you guys were doing, you doing Margaret's hair. She came home and she said, Jonathan told me today that he saw your new profile picture and that made him feel funny. It did. <laughs> I was like, well, no, it, it, was, it was like in that weight room, honey. You're giving, like, jawline, <laughs> bicep, <laughs> traps, so like, the most. So, That's funny. But, like, here's, like, another cue. So, like, the web series I do that, like, I feel like I'm, like, that people know me from, it's, like, Game of Thrones. And I have this, like, fear that, like, I don't want that to be, like, I mean, I love doing it. Like, I love it. Mm -hmm. But I don't want that to be, like, I don't want that to be this, like, thing that defines me. Because, like, she's more than that, you know? And so, like, and so, as a trans person, it's, like, you know, you want to be seen as, like, the gender of, like, your identity, which, you know, in your case is male. So, like, do you, like, is it? Am I worried about only playing trans roles? Slash, like, does, like, does that empower you or make you feel bothered? Because, like, 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 no, I love it. I love it. It doesn't, I, I, it's empowering, but it's also empowering to other people. I mean, it, there's so many different kinds of trans people. And one of the things that I love about Transparent is they're really starting to show. And as the show grows, is they're showing all kinds of different trans people. I I think that the more kinds of trans roles that I get, the great, you know, if it's um if it's a gay trans guy, if it's a, you know, straight trans guy. I just shot this thing the other night with a friend that it was like I'm I'm a I played a trans guy and this woman who's a trans woman played a trans woman and we went out on a coffee date and it was um to sort of talk about like but she hadn't revealed to me that yet that she was trans and that I thought she was a cisgender woman. And then we have this discussion of like what it might be like to sort of to, to date, and yeah. you know, um, that was really interesting. I would love to be able to play cisgender roles too. I don't want to be relegated to only trans roles. Um, that's what I that that's really what I was trying to say because you should could absolutely are, absolutely yeah, like, yeah. I mean, tr- I mean. Tra- all trans people that are actors can play any role. Well, yeah, because I didn't even know that you were trans, even in Transparent. <laughs> well, the nice thing about Transparent, the only role on that show that is not played by a trans person in a trans role is, is Jeffrey. Right. Everybody else on that show that is in a trans, it's pretty beautiful. It's quite beautiful that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so about the show, I I loved um, the role that I got to play was largely based on a lot. It was based on, not based on me, but it was based on a lot of information I shared with the writers in the writer's room. Jill Soloway invited me into the writer's room, and that's how I got the part. Was I, oh. I was in there, and I shared a bunch of stories with them, and I did a acting workshop with her and some writers and actors, and then um, they all came to a big show that I did at the Wiltern Theater. Um, and then I, I got a phone call from Jill, um, you know, basically saying that, you know, you got the part, and I flipped out, and I was driving at the time. Did you cry? I was about to, but I, Sarah and her mom were in the car with me, so I oh, had so to pull over, so I was trying to, like, keep my shit together a little bit, and um, I just said, thank you, I won't let you down, and she said, no, I won't let you down. <gasps> right? No, and Jill Soloway yes, said that to you, like, yes. who even am I anymore? <laughs> right. So, you know, so speaking of that, because yeah. I was like, okay, so I watched, like, the first season, like, four times in a row in, like, three <laughs> days, um, but so... Yeah, because it's like already, so we can talk about it. So basically, Gabby, she saw your house is like <laughs> how it's basically like when we meet someone, we like put who we think they are on them, and then 
I call it getting the disease, but not like the disease, but like when you're with someone and all of a sudden like you see their true colors and you're kind of like, oh, like that's like, it's like taking the rose colored glasses off. Yeah. Well, it's exactly, it's exactly what you said when, when Dale and Ga- and Allie, the characters meet, it's pretty, it's pretty normal and then it kind of turns because we both put all of this stuff on each other i want her to be high femme yes cause, yeah because you like oh yeah because you and, like and, and she wants stuff. me and she wants me to be like <laughs> super butch and she wants me to be like mountain man with a cabin yeah. you know and, and oh, yeah, dad, like, daddy yeah. mountain man with a cabin yeah you know? in this old truck and all that stuff but really i'm just kind of like i'm still spiritually a lesbian <laughs> who yeah, drives yeah. a prius and just wants to make her tea but all that in between stuff, um, there, there's that pressure of like, how long can we stay in that box that the other person has sort of put us in, or that we put ourselves in, trying to be that person for the other, before we have to rip off the corset? And you know, and I just got and, done ripping off a corset. It's yeah. so painful. Did you? Oh yeah, yeah. It's so painful. Yeah, like when you're like, okay, I just can't be this for you anymore. It's or when can't. you realize that you put someone in a corset and then they rip it off, and you're just like, it's so hard. Mm. It is so sad. I got to tell you, my re- my current relationship with Sarah, we were friends first. There were no corsets because she knew all my shit before we got together. And I knew a lot of her shit before we got together. We were friends first and that I told her things that she should not have in her head. You know, oh, what, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, like, and then we sort of crossed the line from that into, and, and I had this moment of flipping out, but I'm so grateful that I never had to either put her in a box or put myself in a box and, like, piecemeal myself out to her over three years. You okay, know what so, I'm saying? Yes, but wait. I'm sorry, because my brain is still stuck, like, five sentences ago, and if I don't go back, it's going to torture me forever. So, like, I feel like the two serious boyfriends that I've had, like, I really, like, I compare, like, going number two to, like, when you go to a play and you see, like, backstage happen in front stage when, like, it's like, don't let the people see what's going on backstage because that ruins, like, the, the <laughs> right, you know, right. the aura of the show. So you see that what you're saying is, is that, like, there never was a backstage because she was just your friend. So if you were like, oh, my God, my heart's broken or, oh, my God, this ingrown, right. like, hair well, on my, like, groin is, like, looking insane. <laughs> like, is that a herpes? And then, you know what I mean? Like, you guys are just, like, very friends. Well, um, we weren't those. I mean, not that I, much. I didn't have her inspect, you know, my body, pre, you know, as a friend, and that. So I, w- I make I my would... friends do that like frequently. Like if there's like some sort of like white hat, you're one of those guys. You're one of those guys. Yeah. Well, we, she and I do not necessarily go, sit on the toilet in front of each well, other. Well, not now, even of course, today. but just like back in the day. But even we... then, d- even then, we didn't. It was more of like we. Uh, talking our, about other relationships? Yeah, we talked about other relationships. Oh. Like, I actually, I mean, I was sharing with her, like, as a friend, like, private information about how I was intimate with other people and <sighs> the kinds of things that I liked. And Did so, that make her jelly? No, because she was, she, we were both, you know, it was different because... Did you get jelly when she told you about things that she liked? God, no. No. I mean, but with other people or whatever? Yeah. Like, no. We just didn't have that dynamic. And then once, No, not even not even today. Sarah's not jealous and I'm not jealous. I really wish I had that trait. Like, I want to be like that much. <laughs> like, I do. I, you know what? Can you imagine if Sarah, if Sarah were jealous and you had said, I felt funny when I saw that new profile picture of you? I mean, well, like, obviously you're not, not going to run person. away with me when no, you've got but, gorgeous Sarah with that figure and She's that just face. not that person who... It, she just... It just doesn't plug her into that kind of shit. Like, when I people... I love that about you, know. you guys. She, you know what's interesting? She's like, she's super grounded. I'm an air sign. She's an oh, what are you? Sign. I'm a Gemini. Oh. So I have a lot of like cockamamie ideas and I'm like dreamland up in the air and ether. And she's very grounded and like, just like, that's really great. Let's see how we can figure out maybe how you can do that. You I know, like she's her. very practical. So 
she and even she's practical in everything in relationships too and not you know she, we've gotten in fights but she is never she's just i don't know she's fucking perfect and i'm obsessed with her i yeah. really am i like still look forward to when i do her hair we only have like two minutes and it, it like flew by so fast i like can't even believe how like fast <laughs> that went because i could just talk to you like for the rest of my life but like in in uh in summation it's like if you could say anything to anyone who is like anything like as far as like gender gender identity and what it's meant for you and the life that that's given you like what do you say to like anyone else who's like listening to this right now that's like not sure is fearful is excited like they they need to have their aha moment what do you say like don't be scared i would say jonathan stop telling me what to say i would say (laughs) everybody is trans and watch my fucking TED Talk because it was so good. I don't want to have to repeat all that stuff, but basically, if you feel a hundred percent okay about your body in direct relationship to your gender, then you're the fucking weirdo because everybody else here is struggling. So, it, everything, every discomfort that we have about our bodies is almost always directly related to our masculinity or our femininity. It is, whether we are feeling too feminine or too masculine. And so we're constantly modifying ourselves, whether we're working out too much, we're doing too much fucking yoga, we're doing, Mm -hmm. you know, we're eating a certain way, we're, you know, whatever, we're picking ourselves apart in relationship to our gender all the time. Yeah, because I want my love handles to be smaller and my chest to be bigger so I can be more Dorito shaped, so I can be more butch, so that, like, a man will be able to see past all my femininity (laughs) and see my perfect male body so that I can be their gorgeous husband. I get it. Yeah. So I just think that on some level that we all share this experience and to think that we don't can't understand how someone else might feel when they say that they're trans or gender nonconforming or they don't necessarily believe in the binary of just male and female and that there's they lots of gray this. areas. Yeah, so much gray. People, there's, so much, there's so many people that are just like, I don't get it, I don't get it. And it's like, yes, you do. You just, you're afraid of, of like acknowledging and where that might take you and your path if you acknowledge it. So just allow yourself the freedom to think about it and to acknowledge that we're all part of the same tribe, that we all share these feelings and these experiences, whether we publicly announce them or not, um, that it can be a very, very deeply personal thing, but that we are all very, very, very similar. Right. And we really are. And And watch the TED Talk. Which we're going to put a link. (laughs) We're going to put a link on that now because it needs to be taught. I mean, that really I watched it when it very first came out and then I watched it again yesterday to like brush myself up on it but it was like really beautifully put and it really like it made me feel a lot of things in my solar plexus and there will be a link to that like below this episode so everyone else can watch it because it's important but Ian thank you so much for coming to talk thanks to me thanks for having me on uh, we're going to do it again alright All right, thanks Love everyone to. for listening oh my god Ian I'm obsessed with you <laughs> don't I am don't be You've been listening to Getting Curious with me, Jonathan Benness, and our special guest this week, Ian Harvey. You will find links to all of Ian's social media on the description of this episode. Also, you will find a link to his brilliant TED Talk. Please listen to it. The link will also be there or on the description of this episode on whatever device you're listening on. Thank you so much for listening to Getting Curious. And let me tell you something. If you're living for these episodes, if you're living for this podcast, please tweet us facebook us join our facebook group let us know what you're getting curious about tweet us leave us a gorgeous five-star review on the itunes reviews help us get to the top of the charts we really appreciate it getting curious is produced by colin anderson and christian duenas for maximumfun.org maximumfun.org comedy and culture artist owned listener supported